Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will Good morning. Welcome to Text Talk. You are Edwin. I am Jackson. Yes, I, I am. <laughs> it's good to know that you have a grasp of the extremely obvious. If all else, I've got that down. I think you're not Andrew. Andrew's not here. This chair next to me is empty. He's yeah, gone. We're missing so. him. We're missing him. We missing are. him bad. We are. How are you doing, Edwin? I'm doing great. I'm enjoying having this week with you, and uh, I hope this is going well for you like it is for me. We're still in Acts chapter 22. We are. I want to read the next paragraph. Let's hear it. Which is verses 12 through 16. I think I've been forgetting to say this this week, but I am reading from the English Standard Version. Acts chapter 22, beginning at verse 12, Paul is giving his defense, and he continues, And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, came to me, and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour I received my sight and saw him. And he said, The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Wow, thank you for that. Excellent job. You're a great reader. <laughs> Thanks, and buddy. Thank you for it. reading from the ESV as opposed to the... Uh, the New King James? The, S, the SSV, <laughs> the uh, Spanish Standard Version, because I, I don't speak Spanish. I don't speak Spanish either. Right, right on, brother. <laughs> so, thank you for doing that. So, I want to ask you a few questions as we dive into this text here, this section. So, Ananias looks at Saul after Saul saw him, um, and he says, Why do you wait Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Mm -hmm. So I want to focus firstly on this be baptized part, mm -hmm. because I think the word baptism means many different things to many different groups of people. Mm. And I think that there are a lot of, there's some misconception out there, the misunderstanding, mm -hmm. um, maybe even as far as false teaching on this. So I think it would be a good idea if we spent some time talking about this and what it means. Love to. Love to. What are your questions? So let me ask you first. As far as the method of baptism, what is baptism not? As far as the method. The method. The, the mechanism. The mechanism. Okay. Yes. So, interestingly, when, when we're talking about this baptism, like you said, there can be lots of ideas, and there are, and there are lots of practices that are called baptism in the religious world today, even in what's called the Christian world today. What we see through the New Testament is that the mechanism of this baptism, at least the physical mechanism of this baptism, is water. Okay. When Cornelius was baptized back in Acts chapter 10, Peter himself very much says, ah, look at what's happened here. So who can refuse water by which these men can be baptized, by which these people can be baptized in the name of Jesus? So we know that baptism in the name of Jesus is a water baptism. The next thing we recognize is that the the Greek term itself means immersion. Baptism is what's called a transliteration. You just took a Greek word and you took the Greek letters and just replaced them with the English letters. So baptism begins with baptisma begins with beta in Greek, which is relates to B in English and alpha in Greek, which relates to A and and on you go through. 
So it's not actually a translation or interpretation. It's what's called a transliteration. Okay. And honestly, the reason why the King James writers translated it that way is because when that was when that translation came about, most churches were baptizing infants, and they did it through sprinkling and pouring. And mm. if they actually translated the word, what it means, mm. an immersion, a dipping, automatically people are going to have problems. So they just transliterated it. Now, for, for those who don't know Greek, and most of us don't know very much Greek at all, in Romans chapter 6, in Romans chapter 6, Paul points out that baptism is following in the footsteps of Jesus, a mm-hmm. burial. Now, a lot of folks will say, well, yes, but that's just symbolic. Well, that's true. It is symbolic. But symbols become symbols for a reason. Mm. The reason why this symbolized burial is because it looked like burial. So from our standpoint, the physical mechanism of this baptism is being immersed in water. It is not okay. sprinkling. It's not pouring. All right. Thank you for that. So my next question is mm. that I think that when you ask what it means to be baptized or why are we baptized, maybe those are two different questions, but I'll let you handle that in a second. Um, some people, depending on who you ask, would say that baptism is a demonstration of your faith Uh, in God and in Jesus as the resurrected Savior. Some may also say that it is an identification with Christ, that you are being identified as a disciple and identifying your relationship with Christ. And then you also may even hear that baptism is rather an outward expression of an inward change, Mm. of an inward spiritual change. So my question for you regarding these three or four different types of statements and Uh, reasons for being baptized is are any of these correct or is there something else that we're missing or is one of these stand out above the rest what do you think about these every single one of those is correct Ah. to a degree okay but they're all lacking when whenever we throw out that baptism is an outward sign of an inward faith I mean, of course that's true. Mm -hmm. Obviously that's true. Any action that I take demonstrates my internal faith. If I I decide to wake up on Sunday morning and go assemble with saints in a worship assembly, that is an outward action that demonstrates to you an internal faith that I have. Even, Even if I'm just starting to seek, that's showing something going on inside. If I decide to take the Lord's Supper, that is an outward sign of some faith that's going on inside. But there's not anything else out there that we would say... That is all that means. Okay. Neither is baptism that. Um, is it an identification with Christ? Well, of course it's identifying with Christ. Jesus died on the cross, was buried in the ground, and was raised. Romans chapter 6 demonstrates that when we are baptized, we are following in his footsteps. In fact, and we don't have time on today's broadcast, but if you walk through the end of chapter 5 in Romans and into chapter 6, it's, it is... Uh, one of the most regrettable chapter breaks, as almost every other chapter break is, because we think now we've moved into a different section. But in Romans chapter 6, as it starts talking about baptism, it's actually connected to the Romans 5, where it had talked about Jesus and what he had done in his righteous gift and in his one act of righteousness and how because of that forgiveness comes to us. When you move into Romans chapter 6, what we actually have in those passages is he's pointing out that when you do what Adam did, you get what Adam got. When you follow in Adam's footsteps, you get the results of Adam's sin. So when I sin like Adam sinned, I become a sinner like Adam became a sinner. And so then the conclusion is, when I follow in the footsteps of Jesus, I get what Jesus was giving. When I 
So I've identified with Adam because I have sinned like Adam. When I die and buried and resurrected, I am following in the footsteps of Jesus. I am now identifying with Jesus and I am getting what he gave, which is the forgiveness of sin. So is it identifying with Jesus? Of course it's identifying with Jesus. But what happens in addition to, because I am identifying with Jesus, I receive the grace, the forgiveness that he is offering. And the reason why it's important to recognize the kind of the distinction here is because I think there's there's a whole host of folks today that will say, well, you asked Jesus into your heart and now you're saved and then you go get baptized to identify with him. No, no. I identify with him by going through the burial and the resurrection and through entering him, I enter his death. That's Romans 6. And I receive the forgiveness. Excuse me. I receive the forgiveness that he's given. I think there was a third thing you mentioned. I've forgotten what that first one was. The demonstration of faith. Oh, the demonstration of faith. Yeah, of course it's a it's a demonstration of faith. But it's you know the only faith that actually works is a faith that actually works. Mm-hmm. In James chapter two, James is going to ask, you know, will their faith save them? And it yes, when they are actually living by that faith, and mm-hmm. and baptism is that demonstration. Oh, I remember the the other one, the the external evidence of an internal change. Mm-hmm. Um, we we may have covered that. Again, all of those things, yeah, they're true to a degree, but they're lacking if that's where you okay. stop. Interesting. Because if we're talking about the reason for baptism, the very first mention of baptism in the book of Acts, after Jesus has died and been buried and resurrected and they start preaching the gospel, the very first thing that's said, Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Perfect. Thank you so much for answering those questions about baptism, what it is not. And so now my question is, looking at this text, is there any phrase here that jumps out to you about what baptism is or what it does for us, why we do it? What are you waiting for? He says, rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, which is a stunning thing to say to a man who has spent three days in prayer and fasting, a man who has been blameless according to the law, he's going to tell us, a man who has followed God, who has been zealous for God. But here we've got these three days of fasting and prayer, and he still has to be told, you need to have your sins washed away, washed away. What is baptism? Baptism is a means of rebirth. Unfortunately for us today, the debate around baptism has often become a debate about a singular law and a singular moment when what baptism is is an invitation into the story of God and his relationship with people. Here, the, the, uh, let's see if I can get this in in two minutes. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. What does God do? He creates the world. He hovers over the water. His spirit is over the water. How is the world born? Through water and spirit. Okay? Genesis chapter 6, 7, and 8. God destroys the world. And he dries it off by a wind blowing on the world. That word for wind is the same as spirit. How is the world reborn? Through water and spirit. Israel. They are released from Egyptian captivity. Where do they first go? They go to the Red Sea. And there, again, the wind of the Lord blows back the water, and they walk through the sea. You've got the cloud and the fire, which is the Spirit of God, His presence with them. Paul himself explains that that was a baptism into Moses. He's saying those guys did exactly what we do. What do we have again? Water 
and spirit. Paul himself calls it that, the, the baptism of the sea and the cloud, water and spirit. We get to Jesus in John chapter 3. What does he say? He says we've got to be born again of water, born of the spirit. What is baptism? Baptism is us really following in the story of God and his relationship, being born of water and spirit. Which gets us back to Acts 2.38, which sets the stage for everything in Acts about baptism. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Spirit. Birth through water and Spirit. And that's that's water immersion baptism. That is how it, that's, that's how those folks became Christians the very first day. That's how they became disciples. Jesus himself said, how do you make disciples? By baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Wow. You covered it in two minutes, so that's <laughs> impressive. Thank you for that. So my question now is, as we close out, if there's anybody listening and this is causing some feelings and they're considering what you're saying, what should they do? What are you waiting for? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Here was a religious man Here was a sincere man. Here was a man who had done everything he knew to be right, but he still had his sins. He still needed to surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. He needed to give his allegiance to Jesus. And how do I give my allegiance to Jesus? By by walking in his footsteps, by identifying with him in baptism and being buried and raised. When When I do what Adam did, I get what Adam got. When I follow in Jesus' footsteps, I get what Jesus gives. And that's that's the thing we want to encourage. So if you're if you're sitting back and you're questioning, man, I need to be in Jesus. I need to have my sins forgiven. I, maybe you've been religious. Maybe you've been a very sincere person. None of that is wasted. We, we talked this week about Paul's zeal for God, and it was because he had a zeal for God that when the, when the knowledge came and that revelation of Jesus Christ, it wasn't a big, huge shift for him. It was just, oh, now I know the direction I need to be going. What are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. We would love to hear from you. We would love to help you with this. No matter where you live, we can help you connect with someone who can help you with this. Email us, texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. Texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. We would love to help you rise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Jackson, would you lead us in a prayer here to wrap up? Oh, Lord, our Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for bringing us a means of salvation through Jesus Christ. We know that he is the way, the truth, and the life, Lord. And we're so thankful for baptism and the rebirth that we get to experience through water and spirit and the reconciled relationship that we have with you and the justification by faith that comes with it, Lord. We are so thankful that Jesus died for us, Father, and we're so thankful for his sacrifice. And we pray that all of us would be willing to submit to the gospel, to submit to your will, and to be baptized and to walk in newness of life in Christ. For this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day.